Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, Sports Talk. What's up, Brody? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 34 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren. I am the founder and host of the show. And it is a beautiful day. Uh, depending on when you're listening, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I know Hanukkah started recently. It's a festive, joyous time of the year. And there is no one who is more joyful than seeing his Broncos score a ton of points than my co-host, Derek Rusnick. Derek, how are you doing today? Oh, I am so good. So I got a win by my Broncos. Next week is the bowl game for my Cowboys. I am just excited about life and sports. We are getting down to the, the last few weeks of the NFL season, and this is when all that distilled goodness comes to a head and we find out who's going to make the playoffs and those last few playoff spots start to solidify. Absolutely. A lot of playoff spots up in the air right now. Who knows what's going to happen with each of them. But before we jump into the present day, let's go ahead and take a look back to this day in sports history. As we release this, it is Wednesday, December the 21st. And on this day in 1969, is the day that Vince Lombardi coached his final NFL game, which was a loss, 10-20, to 20, when he was coach of the Washington Redskins. I think a lot of people forget that he coached Washington at that time. Uh, of course, he lost to the gentleman himself, Tom Landry, and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I don't know that there's a ton to say other than legendary coaches having their final moments. It's the reason why uh, Lombardi, shortly thereafter, of coach, of course, uh, he was having a battle with cancer. Tech was not as good 53 years ago as it is today. And even today, we all know how serious cancer is. So I know in general, it's part of why the trophy has the name the Lombardi Trophy for the Super Bowl winner. Lombardi won the first two. The NFL wanted to recognize that. And Sadly, a lot of times things that get recognized when we've lost someone great. Uh, obviously, as a Packers fan, I'm biased about the greatness of Vince Lombardi, but he's a legend for many reasons, and I'm happy to be affiliated with him with my NFL team. Uh, his grandson is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers this year, so... Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the Chargers at some point today. But, uh, Derek, any thoughts about Vince Lombardi coaching his final game or uh, Tom Landry and how he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy or uh, any kind of things that you want to add? In general, uh, I'll, I'll let you say your part, and then I'll say one more reason why I felt like including it this week. Yeah, so there are some people who – um, you th those names just spark imagery and they spark memories. You know, of course, I was not around when those games were played, um, or you know, don't really have the memories of uh, you know, of those types of games. 
But those two names are the bricks that modern football and modern NFL were built on. They, they built the house that we currently uh, live in and talk about all the time. And my, my hat's off to, um, you never know uh, what greatness is going to come from when you're living in the moment. But that is a, a you know, those are our titans of, of football. And uh, if nothing else, I've got to say here in 2022, I had to include it because currently all four NFC East teams would make the postseason if the season ended today. It's just another sign. You know, even back then, Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, they were both in that division. It's an NFC East world and we're just living in it. Uh, it kind of hurts because that's not where either of our teams are from, Derek, but it, it's huge right now. And it sometimes always feels like it has those moments of being one of the biggest divisions in all of football. Uh, any other thoughts before I jump to the next segment? I think we need to jump. Let's get going. All right. Jump around. Um, well, that's that's a good Wisconsin reference for later for you, Derek. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, <laughs> did we really say that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did this time. Uh, but let's go. We, we had some of our preseason predictions for over-unders come true this past week. I'm not going to spend time hammering home all of them, but uh, needless to say, Derek and I were giving each other some high fives and handshakes because we agreed on all of these and we were right on most of them. So I'm going to go ahead and actually get the one that we were not right on out of the way because we had the under seven and a half for the New York football giants. I actually thought this was going to show up wrong a long time ago because the giants did start off six and one. And now here we are where they are at uh, eight, five and one <laughs> and they are finally past that seven and a half win total. So kudos to the giants for having a much better season than anyone foresaw for them at this time in the preseason. Uh, Derek, anything you want to add on the giants before I go to our correction, correct picks? If I remember correctly, when we're doing our, our win total stuff, we were in this, in this range of, you know, they could get to nine, they could go down to five or six first year head coach. So I think we were pretty close on it. We were thinking that he was in that range and they'll probably would be within two wins of, uh, of that seven and a half. So I think we're pretty good. Well, here's some spots where uh, we, we excelled. Uh, we had the over 10 and a half for the chiefs. That just hit. The Chiefs are eleven and three. Uh, I know Derek would rather the Chiefs not be eleven and three, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, seven straight division wins for the AFC West for the Chiefs. Uh, also over over nine and a half wins for the Bengals. The Bengals have won six games in a row. This was one that when I started tracking these a few <laughs> weeks ago, I was a little nervous about. The Bengals were four and four. Uh, they've now won six in a row to get to ten. I feel much better about it today. Uh, another over. Let's stick with the overs. Those are the positive ones. Uh, this will look less promising before Derek uh, spurred Dan Campbell to greatness. Uh, I don't know what Derek put in Dan Campbell's coffee, but uh, he didn't give him extra. Let's put it that far. Dan Campbell already drinks a ton of coffee. So uh, maybe nine more shots of espresso in each of his cups, but 
the Lions over six and a half wins. They're now seven and seven. They're on a hot streak. All three of those teams are on hot streaks. Uh, teams that are not on hot streaks. We had the Bears under six and a half wins. They are three and 11, so they can only get up to six wins. So they will not pass that total. And the Texans under four and a half wins, one of our slam dunk picks of the year. Uh, I feel bad even saying that. Uh, they are 112 and one. So the best they can do is get two, four wins. So we are locked in there as well. Derek, we got five of those to come in correctly for us this week. Uh, how's that feel? Because it, it felt pretty good when I was starting to see all that green. Yeah, so the the Bears I worried about early in the season uh, because it was only six and a half, and Justin Fields looked really good. Uh, but, you know, things fell the way they fell. Uh, I'm very happy about the Lions uh, going over, and we'll talk about that here in uh, in just a little bit. And, of course, the Chiefs being the Chiefs, I think we're going to talk about them maybe a little bit later on. Um, you know, great double-digit. Um, just uh, that, that's what they're going to do. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs, and uh, yeah, I thought the I thought the Broncos were going to 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 win the AFC West this year. Poo poo on me. Well, we did have them both over ten and a half, so we will at least give ourselves uh, yeah, one right and one wrong on that. Um, Derek, can you tell us how we did on our Brody bets for Week Fifteen? Yeah, so on the Brody bets, uh, I did not have a winner at all. So the Eagles minus nine at the Bears. You know, speaking of those Bears, uh, the Eagles won by five. So I did not win the wild card. Uh, My Broncos, I had them under 36 and a half. They scored 39 points between the two. And uh, the fan vote last week was Titans and the Chargers. I had the uh, Chargers minus three. They won by three, so that's a push. Uh, Cable, on the other hand, had the over 47, and Chargers 17, Titans 14. They only got to 31. But on the flip side, he won his other two. He had the uh, Packers... In the Rams, he had minus seven on the Packers. They won by 12. And his lion card, lion card? His wild card was the Lions and the Jets. Uh, The Lions uh, won by three points, and he won that one because that was a toss-up pick-em game. So double high five. We're going to go double. Uh, Hands in the air like you just don't care. He gets both of those high fives, and uh, I hope to do better this week. Well, Derek, that does happen sometimes, you know, week 15, uh, certainly one of the wildest weeks uh, in NFL history that I can remember. Uh, you know, we we didn't necessarily go to some of those, uh, but don't lateral the ball uh, 20 yards the wrong way down the field, uh, Jacoby Myers. And also maybe don't give up a 33-point lead Indianapolis. Uh, outside of those things, uh, Derek, we could we could overreact to those all day. Uh, but let's find something a little bit more positive here. 
Uh, what are so, what's something that you are overreacting to at this point in the season based off of where you're at? Okay, I'm going to mini super duper overreact and say the Raiders still gave up, still had a 13 point lead and lost that 13 point lead because the game was tied. So all these people saying, oh, well, the Raiders finally didn't lose the game when they had a 13 point or 13 more point lead, they still gave up that lead. Raiders are horrible. Go burn. Vegas. I don't I don't like you people. But my regular overreaction. Uh I am foreseen. I February 2025. We of course are sitting December of 2022. But December of February 2025, which is for the 2024 season, of course. I am predicting Jaguars over the Lions in the Big Easy. This is Super Bowl LIX, uh, and I think the Jaguars are going to licks the the Lions. Um, the both of these teams have shown me something over the last two years that I did not expect. Doug Peterson has done a great job in Jacksonville. Uh, they've gotten they've got their quarterback of the future, probably the running back of the future in Travis Etienne, a great defensive uh, prospect in Walker, you know, the number one overall pick last year. Um, and then they're just going to put together more pieces over the next two years. On the flip side, the Lions, they have receivers. They have a great defensive end, Agent Hutchinson, I'm a big fan. Um, unfortunately, he's not going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year um, because of other guys out there. Um, but he's still, I think he's second place in rookie sacks um, and kind of underrated. They also have the greatest cowboy, Malcolm Rodriguez, from Oklahoma State. Um, a six-round pick that should have went much earlier. Um, they are finding ways to win. They're finding ways to win the games that they lost last year. We just talked about them going over the prediction of six and a half wins. You know, so this year they're going to build. Next year they're going to build again. They're going to come in second in the NFC North because the Packers are going to get back on top next year. But then in the 2024 season, after Aaron Rodgers has stepped aside, um, the Detroit Lions are going to win the North and just for one year, Caleb, just for one year, just for my, my fantasies here, they're going to win the, the, the North. They're going to go to, through the playoffs and bite some kneecaps until they get to New Orleans where they face the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars will win that game. I mean, it could be it's a toss-up. I don't uh, really care. I just like the... Uh, the Jaguars right now, um, but it's incredible to see the the difference that there's. I mean, most of the team is the same team as last year, but Doug Peterson has got them playing, and I think in just a couple of years we're going to see them um, really flourish because someone has to win the AFC South, and it doesn't seem to be the Titans or the Colts anymore. And who knows what the Texans are going to do. So I am overreacting. I am calling 
for two seasons from now, the Jaguars and the Lions are going to be in the Super Bowl. And you have the Jags winning. So, uh, Zach, Eric, any of the people who love the Jags, uh, I think if that happens, Derek is going to do try to do a Duval as if he were calling the World Cup for a Spanish language broadcast. He's just going to hold it out as long as he can until yeah. like he passes out on the podcast. I, I, I will practice for the next two years <laughs> breath work and like learning from the masters to get the biggest Duval that I can if they make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, you've already called it. Clearly, Dan Campbell listens to you. Uh, I know Trevor Lawrence is a big fan of our podcast, so we'll see. We'll see the, this end up playing out. Um, you want to overreact to something, Caleb? I am, because I've been looking at things, and I've just been a little bit surprised by some of the effort that we've seen over the last few weeks. Because, let's face it, the NFL is such a small sample size compared to other sports. You never know what's going to happen from year to year. And personally, I just feel like this is a year where I don't see tanking present in the league, which I feel like is a odd thing to say because tanking does pop up quite frequently. But if you look at the top of what is currently the projected draft order, the Houston Texans are up there. They've been playing their heart out. They nearly shocked Dallas the week before. And then this past week, they took Kansas City to overtime. Both of those teams are teams we've had in the playoff tier for weeks. We trust both of them. And even though Houston is continuing to languish at the bottom of our power rankings, if they flip those two results, they no longer have the number one overall pick. Um, it's very possible. Uh, Lovey has them playing pretty well against elite company right now, which feels very odd to say. Because there's part of me that goes, are the Texans playing the second best football in the AFC South right now? And I think the answer could be yes, which feels very strange. Um, then down there as well, we've got the Bears. I know we'll talk about them a little bit more here in a few moments. They have struggled, but they put up a good fight this past week as well against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, the Eagles are one of the best teams in football if not the best, we've had them at number one in the power rankings for what feels like an eternity. And the Bears plugged away. You know, the next two spots that are on the power ranking or on the, the draft board would be Denver and the Rams. And, you know, they want to win because they're not going to have those first round picks. <laughs> you know, when they're going to Seattle and Detroit, respectively, uh, they'd rather win those games. Arizona. It's tough to win when you've lost Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. I'm not going to call that tanking. Indianapolis, they tried to win. They 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 were up 33 to nothing. That it's not like they showed up and laid an egg the whole game. I don't have much other positives to say about that. Uh, <laughs> and then we get to like the teams that are in the NFC South. They are all in the division race. They're not tanking. Like, it's it's strange. Like, and I feel like usually we have a few more teams that 
are not to four or five wins at this point in the season with three weeks to go. But, you know, the only two teams that don't have four or five or more wins are the Texans and the Bears, and they're both still trying. They're fighting for it because the players know they need their contracts. Coaches know nothing is guaranteed. We saw it happen with David Coley last year, Derek. You know, like he coached the Texans for one year, looked like he was getting better, and boom, he's gone. Like, you can sit here and tell me just about anything could happen, but I don't really feel like these teams are trying to drop the season. Uh, Any thoughts on that? I don't. Okay, so winning in the NFL is so hard. Like, we should be in awe of teams that are not like the the Rams are a great team. We'll give them that. Any team that's not the Rams, when they build their team, add a piece or something like that to get them over the hump. Those te- to win a Super Bowl in the uh, any time this year, you know, in, in in the modern era is very hard. And there are five or six decisions that are made in a game that change a loss to a win or a win to a loss. When you have coaches that have been around a while, Lovey Smith, let's say, um, you can make those you you can make those decisions pretty easily like, okay, well, we're we're not going to win. Um, you know, we're gonna play two quarterbacks. We're going to, you know, Kyler's just not the not the guy. So you what what winning teams do is snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. What tanking teams do is just allow the defeat to happen. They it can look good on the field, but there are, coaches know how to lose. They know how to to not win and and still put a lot of effort out there. So I would say you are you are correct. Having four wins. And you know the the what the third best team has four wins, and a lot of teams have four wins. Um, that's that that shows that there's not individualized tanking of okay we're only only going to win two games, we're only going to win three games, stuff like that. Where you know I've kind of seen some of that stuff in the past. Um, but no, there's no o o and sixteen team or o and seventeen team this year. And there's no teams out there that just look horrible. The Texans, the last couple weeks, have not looked bad. And that's probably good for for this moment, at least. I mean, I just want to call it out because I think it's interesting when you say winning (laughs) in the NFL. The name that came to my head was current Mangles head coach Zach Taylor. I think a lot of people respect him and what he's doing now. But when you look... His head coaching record is 26, 36, and one. Those yep. first two years, so many losses got thrown on there that he's going to be digging out of that hole for a few more years because the AFC North is a mess of a division um, every year. So much com- competition. And yes, they're playing well. Yes, they went to the Super Bowl the year before this, but. Zach Taylor has delivered and found ways to win games with who he has, but it's not like 
it was a perfect storm. You know, things have to go the right way for this to, to turn around for them. Um, Derek, do you want me to go under the radar or do you want to go under the radar first? Because I want to hear your under the radar because I love one, I love the theme that you're talking about, and two, I, I have so much, so many thoughts on what your under the radar is. So, my under the radar has to do with Derek's favorite new bandwagon team, the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers. And I'm not just teasing Derek. Derek has said it on the podcast for three or maybe four weeks in a row running that he just loves what they do. And Derek, you know, I'm a stat head. I look at the numbers all the time and I was really kind of blown away when I was looking at this because, you know, I look at point differential. I like to look at points scored versus points allowed. And right now the 49ers have the number one defense in the NFL and they've given them literally 40 points less than everyone else in the league. That may not sound like a lot, but just for the record, so the team that is closest to them is the Buffalo Bills at 250. So that's the second best defense. If we go down another 40 points, the teams that we are getting in the range of are, or the next team that's closest there is probably the Titans at 293. And that is the like 11th best defense in the league. Like it's one of those things where sometimes people will talk about, Oh, well, this is a matchup of the top two defenses and they act like it's a big deal because it's one versus two get excited. I just need to point out the fact that the 49ers are one. The 49ers are so far ahead as number one. It's almost like, a, a handicap based off of the 14 games that have happened, it'd be like saying the 49ers are starting the game up a field goal or blocking yeah. a field goal during the game. That's how much better they are at playing defense than anyone else in the league. It blows my mind a little bit. It makes me reposition my thoughts about whether or not Nick Bosa should be more in the discussion for defensive player of the year. Uh, I feel like at the halfway mark, I probably wrote that off and gave it to Micah Parsons. The Cowboys have struggled a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball lately. I'm not going to sit here and say that's Micah Parsons fault, but the 49ers are going out and they're winning games with Brock Purdy uh, no one's going to sit here and say, yeah, that guy's the best player in the league. Um, it's definitely a two-man race right now uh, between Bosa and Parsons. I actually pulled up the Vegas odds, and they are absurd. Uh, Bosa is minus 130. Parsons is plus 100. After that, it goes to, like, Chris Jones at plus 5,000. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I, mean, I don't know that I've looked at that and gone, whoa, that is completely out of the question at this point. Um, but mad props. Like I I love what they are doing. I love putting their games on. I love how physical their defense is. 
and there, I don't know that there's a true weak spot. Uh, you know, Traverius Ward's good. Jimmy Ward, when he's been back there, he's been good. Um, the defensive line is good. Drake Greenlaw, Fred Warner, like there, there's not a oh, let's go attack this guy. This guy's bad. Like, <laughs> no, 49ers are fine. And D'Amico Ryans will be a head coach next year. If he is not, it's a travesty. Uh, Derek, any any thoughts that you want to add? I know that you you have profound love for the 49ers at this point. Yeah, I, I just want to put a, a hug around that particular underreaction and just uh, just give it a big old squeeze. Because, yeah, um, there, there's something very special going on in San Francisco. Much like I just talked about on your on your overreaction, it is incredibly hard to win in the NFL, um, especially when there are 250-pound men who run 4-4-40s. I mean, just... It's it's crazy the speed and crazy that the coordination. Uh, I'm going to go back to my O lineman people. There's coordinating of five to six bodies that are blocking other guys in front of you, and how well they run the ball. They're, I mean, you got CMC this year, so I mean, of course that's that's really helpful. But you're on your third quarterback. And you didn't even miss a step. So you have a offensive head coach um, that, you know, calls the plays, does a great job. Um, but you can see his tree is definitely um, branching out. Let's call it that way. I mean, we talked about Sean McVay for a long time. Robert Sala was a DC there. I completely agree with you. D'Amico Ryan is going to be a head coach um, somewhere. Um Mike McDaniel came from San Francisco. You know, we'll talk about Miami here in a little bit um, and what they're doing. Um, so that defense is great. The offense is making plays. Um, and so, yeah, there's a – that is a certainly under the radar because everyone's talking about the offense. Everyone's talking about CMC, third-string quarterback, stuff like that. That defense is keeping them in games. And it's very scary when you have to go up when you have to go up against them. Well, speaking of D'Amico Ryan's being a head coach, I feel like that could connect to uh you're under the radar, Derek, about uh people possibly uh pulling the trigger on uh coaches fairly quickly. Yeah, so a uh story came out this wa- last week by Adam Schefter, old Shefty, uh on ESPN. Um that the NFL NFL teams have spent 800 million let's pause for effect 800 million dollars on fired coaches and front office executives not since 2000 not even since two, uh, 2010 in the last 5 years 800 million dollars has been paid to people who no longer work for a company. Um, that is, let's just put, call it a couple of, uh, of amount here. So Matt Rule was fired by the Panthers. Um, he had four years remaining on his seven-year contract 
worth up to $60 million. So I haven't done the math on that, but it's still a lot of money. Frank Reich for the Colts uh, had four years remaining on his. That paid eight, uh, I mean, had uh, nine million annually. So, you know, $36 million there. John Robinson, the Titans uh, general manager, just signed a contract extension February of 2022. Had four, uh, four years remained on his contract. He just signed earlier this year when he was fired. Something, the, the, the story still hasn't come out about John uh, Robinson yet. There's got to be something behind that because the A.J. Brown thing is not, I don't know, that's another thing altogether. Um, the, the Giants have, have paid three different head coaches, uh, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge, and now they're in Brian uh, Dable. That's in the last five years. Uh, Jaguars, the Bears, the Giants, Vikings, Dolphins, Broncos, and Texans, and Raiders and Saints all have had a changeover uh, of their head coach. Some of them have even had two. There is a lot of money that has left the door for uh, non uh, non-coaches, non-executives anymore. Every year we talk about maybe uh, Bobby Bonilla uh, Day, where he makes like $1.36 million, and he's going to get paid that uh, from the Mets for like another 20 years or something like that. They strung out this very long contract, and ha-ha, you know, they're, they're, they're paying this guy that they that hasn't played for them in like 15, 20 years. Um, but that's, you know, that's the MLB, that's baseball, their contracts are kind of weird. So the NFL has kind of said, Hey, these 32 teams, let's make sure that when you're hiring a coach and firing a coach, you're not pulling trigger too early because as you know, collective bargaining and everyone shares revenue. So that's $800 million that cannot be shared amongst the other teams over the last five years. We all know the NFL is a business. And so they're just saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, quit wasting money. I see that a little bit under the radar. Um, <laughs> I would like the Broncos to waste some money this year um, and get rid of their head coach that they just signed. Um, as I think, I don't see a future for him. Um, I also wouldn't mind a certain <clears throat> San Francisco 49er defensive coordinator that we just talked about because the Broncos have a good defense that he could take to the next level. But that's a different story. Uh, let's waste some money. Um, so, yeah, Caleb, thoughts on the last five years at $800 million uh, wasted. I mean, can you write me a check for $800 million? I know you got it. I'm going to pass. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not uh, have that today. You know, maybe when taxes come in. Um, <laughs> just kidding. When the, when the taxes come in. Okay. <laughs> so, I, it's it's a lot. It's it's one of those things where, kind of like you said, not only does it happen every now and again, it feels like it happens 
and then it happens again and then it happens again and people are just kind of there and then they're gone and it's a mess it's a mess in the current world of the nfl because you never know what's going to happen from week to week year to year sometimes wins are fluky i mean we we're going to talk about the playoff picture some but you know what happens in overtime if the patriots don't throw random laterals what if what if bill belichick just said mac take a knee like none of this chaos of chandler jones stiffing stiff armoring mac jones into the the center of the universe um There, there's so much that happens in games. It's not always like I don't want to make excuses, but it's not like a season is probably the best way to evaluate a coach. It's always going to be wins and losses. There's always going to be teams that lose more than they win. And let's face it, there are some owners that meddle more than they need to anyway. I mean, uh, the Texans have had several coaches. The Browns probably have had several coaches. Part of that, they've also turned over their quarterback. Like, it, those relationships are important. You can't just treat this like it's strictly chess. Putting a new king back there does not mean that your pieces move differently. That's what I've got. That was very poetic. I am. I'm going to put that on a, on a hoodie. Just because I mean, you put a new king back there does not mean the rest of the pieces change. Exactly. I, I was not really sure where that came from, but it just it came out. So Oof. I'm going to roll with it. I preach, brother, preach. So we are wrapped up with week 15. We're moving into week 16. And it, of course, is time for us to feel the power. Yes, that's right. We are going to go ahead and launch into the week 15 power rankings. You know how we do it. We split it up into four tiers because we rank all the teams 1 through 32. It's myself. It's Derek. It is our co-host out on assignment all the time, making Philly cheesesteaks or eating Philly cheesesteaks, Sean Morgan. And we also have my brother who's doing some scouting. He will send in his as well. We put them all together, get the best rankings that are known to mankind and maybe even alien kind. You know, we do record this. I don't know where all of the listens come from. Maybe they're just, uh, you know, using a VPN and saying they're from different spots, but they could be from out of this world. I need to let you know that Sean volunteers to make the Philly cheesesteaks. So we can put both of his, his college and his profession together. He volunteers to make the cheese, the cheesesteaks. Fly, go fly. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he's not going to be disappointed with where they're at, uh, which is spoiler true, true. alert. But the four tiers, we're going to start off in the basement. These are the worst of the worst. Uh, these teams, there's some that still have a good chance of making the postseason. Uh, thank you, NFC South. Uh, but most of them, if they were not in the NFC South, would be 
either out of the playoffs or already are out of the playoffs. So let's go ahead and get that started. At number 32, we have Damian Pierce and the Houston Texans. At number 31, it is Matt Eberflew and the Chicago Bears. At number 30, uh, Kyler Murray, I hope you have a good ACL, is uh, the Arizona Cardinals. At number 29, uh, losing a 33 to nothing lead, it is the Indianapolis Colts. At number 28, uh, no Baker magic for the second week in a row. It is the Los Angeles Rams climbing, trying to get out of the basement before the end of the year. At number 27, it is Brett Rippon and the Denver Broncos. At number 26, congrats on your first career start, Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. And at number 25, the team that beat them this week, it is the New Orleans Saints. I don't have a lot to, to say about the Saints. Well, let's go back to the Bears, Derek. Uh, they are our highlight this week. Uh, they do continue to keep dropping games, but of course we're very competitive in their most recent loss uh, when they played Philly. We kind of talked about that earlier in my tanking segment. Um, they have not won a game, though, uh, since October 24th when they won on the road against the New England Patriots. Uh to be fair, that game was actually 33 to 14. So I was like, not only did they beat the Patriots in Foxborough, they kind of smoked the Patriots in Foxborough uh, back during the Bailey Zappi era, if that makes you feel how long ago that went. Oh my was. goodness, so long. Um, so everyone, of course, I feel like people have been saying if there's one thing the Bears have figured out this year, it's that Fields is the quarterback of the future. Um uh, but kind of like before, I wanted to take a closer look at the numbers. He's got a 62% completion percentage. That's about four points higher than last year, but it's not anything to write home about. Uh, he has a little over 2,000 passing yards with a 15 to 10 touchdown interception ratio. And he also has 1,000 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns as well. I will admit, I think Justin Fields is must-see football. I think that he is an electric playmaker. I think where I kind of am curious is if I think he is a franchise quarterback that they want. Um, so my question, Derek, I'll let you kind of start with this here is, we're looking ahead a little bit at the offseason in this division because the Bears are well, in this segment because the we're in the basement. These teams are not doing anything. The Bears have been eliminated from the postseason. Um, right now, they would have the second overall pick in the draft. Are you just buying fields and building around him? Uh, do you want to take a different quarterback at number two because you have some great opportunities? We've talked about quarterbacks in this draft class. Uh, or or do you trade down? Find someone who needs a QB. Trade down. Uh, you know, see if someone gives you an offer. Let's say even like the Dolphins offer uh, when the 49ers traded up. If you get someone who's giving you like three first-round picks, yes is what I believe that answer is. And that is a quick yes. And because Chicago just has a lot of needs. You know, they gave up Roquan Smith. They traded Robert Quinn earlier. They, they need to build in a lot of spots. So first, 
where are you at with Fields as the franchise quarterback, and how did they approach the draft in light of that? Okay, so I uh, I like Justin Fields. Um, a lot of people are going to, uh, especially in Denver, are very grumpy because they say the Broncos should have should have drafted Fields. They drafted Patrick Sertan the second. Uh, instead, blah, 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 blah. So on a personal level, there's that. On so, and, I, and I like Justin Fields. Uh, you know, I think he's a great quarterback. I, in your particular scenario, am going to be the little girl um, when they have tacos on that commercial and say, why not both? So what if you keep your second overall pick? pick up one of these fancy smancy new uh, college quarterbacks and trade Justin Fields and get a bunch of picks to play with uh, there. His draft stock, his stock has never been higher, but I don't see Chicago being something special where they could use, where they could utilize his skills in the next few years. So what if you say we're going to bring in just a toss a name out there, a Caleb Williams. I don't think he's draft eligible this year, but um, you know, we'll just, we'll just put a name out there because they just want a Heisman trophy. But um, let's say he's draft eligible. You, uh, you pick him up at two and you, uh, you go out there and you play with him for a few years. You trade Justin Fields. Thank you uh, for your service. And you pick up, let's say those, those two first round picks, maybe a, a third lower uh, round pick for a quarterback star of team, a team that is a quarterback away from winning a championship. Um, you know, maybe a Detroit, I don't know. Um, you know, even though I like Jared Goff, um, you know, a, a quarterback away uh, team or a team who has a retiring quarterback, something like that, trade him away because you're not going to be good for a few years. And by the time you could actually put something around him, you're going to have to pay him. And I don't know if you're actually going to be able to pay him in those what, three, four years from now. Just my thoughts. Um, yeah. Fifth year option would be the 2025 season. So they would have to choose to activate it, you know, uh, before the season where the Jaguars are beating the Lions in the Super Bowl, according exactly. to Exactly. So I think it's tough because if you're shopping fields, you're showing that you're not necessarily believing in him. Um, the quarterbacks, just to be clear in this draft class, I think everyone probably is leaning Bryce Young number one to the Houston. Uh, after that, oddly enough, it's an Ohio State quarterback in C.J. Stroud, uh, which would be somewhat funny to ship off an Ohio State quarterback for a new one. Uh, or to go with Will Levis from Kentucky. I think in general you have to stick with what you've got in Justin Fields. I, I don't think that he's the reason they're losing games. I think 
in general, what he does as a runner is something that gives you some sparks on offense while he is continuing to develop as a passer. I'm going to go back to second-year quarterbacks that you may be familiar with, Derek. So, do you know of a quarterback by the name of Josh Allen? Uh, Doesn't he play uh, defense in Jacksonville? Okay, that's the wrong one. Uh, oh, so there's another guy named Josh Allen. Okay. Yeah. I, I've uh, heard of him. I, I've heard the name in passing. You've heard it a few times. Uh, yeah. So the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, after his second season, his completion percentage was about 59%. Touchdown interception was 20 to 9. Yeah. He threw for a little over 3,000 yards. And not the same running game because uh, he's not as fast. But he did have 510 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. So the touchdown number at least is similar to where Fields is at now. Fields is getting a lot more yards with his legs. I think that that makes sense. I think in general, you say we've got to continue working with what we have in fields, unless for some reason you think that there is an attitude or perspective issue that we cannot see out here uh, in podcast world. Like, we, I'm not aware that, you know, Justin Fields is difficult. I'm not going to even say that. I think in general, he's he seems like a good guy. It makes it interesting. I think in general, when you don't have... Quinn, you're probably looking at Will Anderson from Alabama as an edge rusher. Um, I know you kind of mentioned this previously. Uh, Defensive lineman from Georgia, Jalen Carter, he's a name that would be out there. I think that those are probably the biggest two. But it is, it's going to be interesting. I don't think that there is a, I, I at least think that it's more open for debate than fans are acting as it is today. This current GM did not draft Justin Fields. The current coaching staff was not involved in that decision. Is he doing well? I think the answer is yes. Is it a lock? No. And I think that that's important to call out because even though he's been fantastic, and especially for people who play fantasy football, He has saved their lives, but maybe that's a bit much. But he's been really good, and I don't know. Kind of like you said, Derek, maybe maybe try, like what? At least call out. Do you know who I bet would wish they had a a gimme back on that draft pick in the twenty 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 one NFL draft? Who's that? The Jets. True. You can get you send us a couple of picks, and you can have Justin Fields back there instead of Zach Wilson. The Jets are saying deal on that so fast. <laughs> can I get your your opinion on something before we move off of Justin Fields? Sure. Okay, so we have a a, a new breed of quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Lamar, Jalen, guys like that. Um, Justin Fields is in this running quarterbacks. 
they have not stayed healthy uh, on a general basis. When you know playing full seventeen game schedule, you really don't have a a bunch of uh, running quarterbacks winning Super Bowls at the current moment because of injuries. Because you know not uh, so with Justin Fields being a runner, um, let's say. 1.5, not not uh, a runner second or runner first, but he does a lot of running and does get hit. Um, injuries do occur in the NFL. Where do you put that in the in the calculus? I think that it's got to be part of the calculus, but I also think that we could talk about any quarterback and say that they have a potential of getting injured. Um. I would really love for the Bears to get an offensive line uh, for Justin Fields. They haven't had one in forever. Um, Just to go with a quarterback that I think would have been positioned differently, uh, but positioned as an athlete and as a quarterback as well when he entered the league and kind of flamed out at the first spot he was at. I don't think it's a one-to-one, but I think Ryan Tannehill is a really interesting uh, person to look at in comparison because he played in Miami for a long time, like a really long time. Um, He got a second contract there, but they never had an offensive line. Like he was mobile, but he kind of has been more of a pocket passer. When you remember that he was a, wide receiver at Texas A&M that converted to quarterback. It is also one of those things where I go, oh yeah, this guy has to be able to like run and move, but no one's really leveraged that out of him. Uh, It wasn't what Miami staff wanted then. And it's not what Tennessee staff has really done with him there. I think that you can be an athlete and not necessarily run, but you want to be able to have that, potential I don't know exactly how it factors into the calculus because if you're going to have a Lamar you want to back up like Tyler Huntley like someone else who can also move I think we're going to see less and less guys that are stationary I mean even Kyler Murray has Colt McCoy as a backup and Colt McCoy may not be the best but he can move so I mean, even Baker Mayfield knows how to get out of the pocket and get some get some shimmies going, uh, possibly get a catch. So the the statue quarterbacks are just not there. I think in general you go Fields is a better runner than whoever his backup's going to be. But isn't that going to be the case for most starting quarterbacks? If you're not looking at them and going, well, yeah, they're better than the backup, if it's not that clear and obvious – you have a quarterback competition. I mean, <laughs> I, did I answer your question? Because yeah. I feel like I kind of, okay. I want to no, make no, sure. That, that was, was fine. I just don't think that mobile quarterbacks, as much as they're fun, as much as fantasy football um, has, I, I don't know if you're going to win with a run first quarterback versus, I mean, 13 and one, was it the 13 or 14 and one, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, I'll give it to him, MVP. If they win a Super Bowl, 
I'll I'll eat crow. But uh, you know, we'll see. Let's move on to the wavering tier. I will say let's not forget that Cam Newton was an MVP quarterback with the Panthers with a running game primarily that he did. And he just took so many shots and so many hits over the years that I mean he's out of football right now. Like that was only what, seven years ago? Like that was the dab season of the NFL. It was a good season for you, Derek. I bet you remember it pretty well. Yeah, no, I remember uh, that he got to the Super Bowl and he lost to a certain orange team. Yeah. I, I Destroyed by an orange team. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. If nothing else, I knew that that let you be able to say that as well. So uh, let's go to the waverings here before uh, I let Derek get things uh, potentially more out of hand, reminiscing about the greatness that is uh, the Broncos at that time. So the wavering team tier, this is again, uh, this is teams that we don't necessarily trust much, but they could be okay, but we're not really sure. We just waver in our thoughts on them because they're kind of a mess. And number 24, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. And number 23, it is Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns. And number 22, it is Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number 21, uh, coming back this week at quarterback is going to be Kenny Pickett, and no one is happier than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And number 20 is Aaron Jones and the Green Bay Packers. And number 19, it is Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee Titans. That rolled right off the tongue. I like, I, I'm, I should use that one more often. Number 18, it is the team that likes to blow big leads, but not 33 point ones. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. And at number 17, it is the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 slipping out of the aspiring tier and slipping out of postseason chances, potentially. Uh, but we're not going to dwell on the Jets. Let's go to that NFC South. We like talking about it pretty much every week, it feels like, here, because uh, they're bad. Uh, but So the Bucks are in first. They are our highest-ranked team out of the NFC South, uh, with them only being interrupted by Cleveland uh, as far as having the whole division together. They're at 22, 24, 25, and 26. <laughs> so... Uh, being in first out of that division, uh, not necessarily a sign of greatness. They've won one of their last four games, and that was one where they came from behind and beat the Saints 17-16 to by scoring two touchdowns in about the last three minutes of the game. Derek, what are you doing? Uh, let's, let's, let's pick this division. Are you going with the Bucks or the field when we're trying to figure out who's hosting the fifth seed in the NFC? Uh, let me get... Let me get something pulled up here for you because I want to make sure that we are able to do this effectively. Um, so I'm, I'm pulling up the games, okay? Yep. We'll start with the Bucks. Their last three, they are going to Arizona. They are hosting Carolina. And then they are going to Atlanta. Um, how do you feel about those ones for the Bucks? Well, I think you beat the Cards. Um, I think you beat the uh, the Falcons. So 
I, I think that they're probably going to win the division. Okay, so are you giving the Panthers a win against them? Yeah, yeah. The, I think the Panthers, the, this Bucks team has just not looked right. Um, I am literally giving the fourth seed to someone who's going to get uh, their pad run over by the fifth seed. Most likely the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah. With the Panthers, if you're giving them the win over the Bucks, week 18 they are going to the Saints. Are you giving the Panthers that win? No, I think the Saints beat the Panthers. Oh, nice. Interesting. Um, and this week they are hosting the Lions. I'm assuming you're giving that one to Detroit. Detroit. It's a close spread, but it, you can't you can't take Detroit. Um, so the Saints, you gave them the win over the Panthers. I know that you are big on the Saints. At Cleveland and at Philly, the first the the for these other two weeks, uh, any losses. wins there? Yeah, yep, losses. They have to both be losses. And then for the Falcons, they you had them losing to the Bucks. They also get to go. They get to host Arizona in Week 17, uh, but they do travel to Baltimore this week. Any of those that the Falcons take? I I, I think the Cards win that game. And uh, I think Baltimore wins their game as well. So I, I don't think think that the uh, – I just don't know where the extra wins are for the field versus the Bucks who have that one-game lead. So I think it's interesting. I mean, if you do that, you do have the Bucks uh, – seemingly catching fire here at the end of the year <laughs> and winning the division. I mean, two, two wins out of three games. That's hot. Like, Oof. I think it's one of those things where anything can happen. Um, I don't know how long Colt McCoy is supposed to be out. If Colt McCoy's back, I could see the Cardinals taking that on Sunday night on Christmas evening at home. And that puts the Bucks one game closer where it would be potentially them at seven and 10 and the Panthers and saints at six and 11. I personally think the Panthers are going to beat the saints in week 18, which would put them at seven and 10 and five and one in the division. And they would beat the bucks because they would have swept the head to heads against the bucks this year. So even if they lose to the lions this week, the Panthers won their final two. <laughs> I'm at least going with the field right now because I just don't trust the Bucks. I don't know that I like the field that much either. I know the Bucks have a game on the field. I mean, the Bucks looked really good for about 25 minutes against the Bengals too. It was like, man, they, they got embarrassed by... The 49ers out in San Francisco, they're coming back to Tampa and they're going to play really well. And they were up 17 to nothing and looked good. And then uh, everything fell apart and they could not cover anyone. And the Bengals put off 34 straight points. I, I can't, I don't know. I think in general, Derek... And you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I just want to get to their postseason game. 
I'm going to grab some popcorn and watch whoever wins this crummy division get smacked around for four quarters because I don't think there's a chance that they are within a touchdown of whoever the five seed is, even though they'll be at home. Yeah, I, I, so I remember our conversations at the beginning of the year about the, the Buccaneers because they had a retirement at center. And then I guess it was like the day before or like the, right before the, uh, the season started, they lost an offensive lineman and then they had another injury. It was like very bad all at the same time. And it just, they never could get ahead of their skis. So, you know, I don't, I see this happening. Oh yeah. They lost their head coach. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, so, you know, Todd Bowles has been a head coach before, um, and, you know, has done a, a pretty decent job, but, um, I, I just don't think this was the year. There's a lot of stuff has happened with Tom Brady. A lot of stuff has, ha- stuff, stuff has happened with the Bucks. So I, I hate to say that this is, I mean, if this is Tom Brady's last year, that he's not going to, it's not going to go well for him. It hasn't. Let's go ahead and move to teams that are aspiring to more greatness than what we've been seeing lately out of the the wavering tier for sure. Um, They aspired to greatness at number 16. It was the New England Patriots. Uh, They did not exactly achieve greatness. Uh, At number 15, with a beautiful upset this past week, it is Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval! It's for beating Dallas. Thank you. At number 14, it is uh, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. Number 13, it is Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. And number 12, it is... It's it's a mess. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and the Baltimore Ravens. And number 11, it's two a time. It's the Miami Dolphins. At number 10, I can't believe that I'm saying this at this point in the year. It's Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. And at number nine, it is Danny Dimes and the New York Football Giants. While the Lions might be the surprise inclusion here in the top 10, let's talk Miami. Uh, They're one of the streakiest teams, Derek, in my opinion, of all time. Uh, No seven-game winning streaks this year, thank goodness. Uh, But they won their first three. Tua got hurt. They lost their next three. Then they won five in a row. And now they've come back and lost three in a row. Granted, decently tough schedule on those three. At San Francisco, we've both been hyping the Niners. At the Chargers, I thought they were going to do better than they did. They looked really rough. And then uh, at Buffalo in the snow. They are still in the seventh seed. So they do control their aspect as far as making the playoffs. Uh, They finished the season hosting the Packers, going to New England, and then hosting the Jets. Uh, With the Jets and Patriots right behind Miami. Do you trust Miami enough to turn this around as everyone who plays against them has something to play for? And uh, let's, I mean, let's be real. Is Miami going to make the postseason? You know, I think they hang on. I think that they're, 
they're going to stick in that 6-7 seed um, you know, as a wild card. I like Miami. I like Tua. I think they've got a uh, a good core down there. I mean, I love Tyreek Hill. Been a fan of him uh, for a very long time now. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit, uh, like you said, the, the people that are the, the the Jets and Patriots um, have something to to play for, but I've seen what the the Patriots do, um, expecting their uh, chubby white quarterback to take on eleven uh, Raiders, uh, and I the Jets have kind of fallen apart at this point. With uh, they don't know who their quarterback is. And no matter who their quarterback is, it doesn't seem to to help. Um, you know, maybe there could be a, uh, a a trade that we talked about earlier for a certain uh, Ursine quarterback who likes to run around. Uh, so I think th- I think they're better than the Jets. I think they're better than the Patriots. And uh, so I think they they get the wins. They go into the postseason. I don't know how how deep they'll go, but I'll give them a chance. Um, as long as they're not playing in snow, probably. I mean, I don't consider them part of what I'm going to call my my trio of trust in the okay. AFC. Because I expect all three of these teams to probably win their first and be competitive in their second playoff game, partially because the second could be against some of themselves. But Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, that, that's going to be my trio of trust in the AFC right now. I don't love the teams right above them in the Ravens and Chargers. I've been pretty open and frank about how I feel about the Chargers multiple times this year. But let's face it, the Chargers have won two in a row and are looking good right now. But I can't pick the Patriots or Jets. Like, like, the Patriots don't look like they're coached on how to play football on offense. Yes, they have a great defense. But they look like a dumpster fire half the time. The Jets, meanwhile, also look like they don't know how to coach an offense. Like, they did compete decently well against the Lions this past week. And then if we get past that, the Jags are going to be more in the AFC South race than they are a wild card race. And I don't even think it's worth discussing two games back in the Raiders, Browns, or Steelers. That's like dumpster fire scenario. I mean, they are playing the Jets and the Patriots. Someone has to win those games. True. Or, or tie. Or tie. Yeah. Um, I don't. I just don't like the matchups. Like Green Bay's coming, they still have something to play for. Miami has not had a great defense this year. I feel like that I mean I'll talk about it more in a minute, but I don't feel confident in either way of how that's going to turn out. I think you could tell me either team wins with a last minute or last game ending drive with a touchdown and I would say sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, going to New England, I feel like Miami always beats them in Miami and loses in New England. 
True. Hosting the Jets. Well, if they're eight and eight, how how much of the, does that game against the Jets matter? So, I want to say they should make the postseason. We have Miami up here in the powerings. I do too, ahead of those other teams for a reason. I think they're better. Will they show it on the field? I don't know. I mean, they kind of let off the be- the the gas against Buffalo. People thought they were going to take that game this past week, and then they didn't. I definitely don't trust them in the postseason. If they're right now as the seven seed, they'd be playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I'm not taking them to beat the Chiefs. I'm not even thinking about taking them to beat the Chiefs. Could they? Yeah, the Chiefs seem to play everyone close. We'll talk about the Chiefs more in the playoff tier. Do How's you that? know how awesome it would be for Tyreek Hill to come back to Arrowhead Stadium as a member of the Dolphins in the playoffs? That would be must-see TV. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. That would I know plenty of Chiefs fans that would be like, good. Let's let's show this guy what's up. Um but let's go into the playoff tier. At number eight, the Chiefs AFC West buddies, the Los Angeles Chargers. At number seven, uh, yeah, we can come back from that. Uh, It's the Minnesota Vikings. At number six, it is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, They're at number six, and they had a pick six against them this past week. That's that's nice. Uh, At number five, it is... Who day? It's the Cincinnati Bengals. And number four, seven-time AFC West champions, uh, seven times in a row that is right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. And number three, the NFC West champs, the San Francisco 49ers. Congrats, Derek. And number number two, uh, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And at number one, Fly Eagles Fly. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to say that I'm very glad that the Cincinnati Bengals are in the second half of the playoff tier because they only seem to play in the second half of games. They uh, this this last week, like, oh, hey, we're just gonna to to be down and look like a bad team. Second half, we're just the best team ever. I mean. The Chiefs have done that too sometimes. You never know. Sometimes the Chiefs, let's get down 21 to 3 and then score points. Like, okay, okay, Kansas City. So, uh, Kansas City is who we're talking about in the playoff tier. Uh, if you didn't understand why this is the playoff tier, I don't know how to help you. Um, but the Chiefs are a team that makes me scratch my head and possibly lose some hair. So we all know that they're able to score in bunches. They're a good team. They have great offense. Uh, but they haven't been able to hold on to many leads and are another team that uh, keeps doing well in one-score games. Uh, I double-checked their record. Six and three in one-score games this year. I mean, for a team that's 11 and three, I mean, I guess that means they have five wins that are more than one score, but still doing all right in those one-score games. Um, and they did have some recent struggles. The last two weeks, they're on the road. They beat the Broncos 34-28, even though they were up 27 to nothing at one point in that game. 
great comeback by Denver. And uh, they also beat the Texans 30 to 24 in overtime. The, I mean, kudos to the Texans for playing them well, but also the Chiefs should not be playing them that close. So, Derek, do you think it's critical for the Chiefs to sweep those final three, put any additional pressure on the Bills for home field advantage in the AFC? And also, if nothing else, they could walk up the number two seed in the postseason, basically saying we're going to play our first wild card game at home. No, we don't get a bye, but we get the first wild card game at home. And we also get our second game at home before like a road game and a neutral site game potentially is a path to the Super Bowl. Um, so do you think it's critical? And then looking at those three games, uh, I mean, that's what we're at now. We only have three left. We got to start looking at each matchup. Uh, what chance do you give them to, to pull that sweep? So uh, it is hosting Seattle, hosting the Broncos and at Las Vegas. Where are you at, Derek? Yeah, so I I think the biggest piece of this this whole thing on what you were talking about is winning all the three of those games to put pressure on the Bills. So the Chiefs have three winnable games. Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Um, So if they win all three of those games, they go 14-3, and and, you know, that's a really good record. Um, but then the Bills have to win um, all three of their games so that they can get that tiebreaker and get that number one overall seed um, because they're both at 11 and three right now. Just double checking before I, yeah. They they're are. Both 11 and three. Yeah. So, you know, if they, if they both end up 14 and three, then Bills get the number one overall seed. But, you know, Bills drop one. Um, you know, they drop down to the two. So, um, one, you want as many home games you can uh, and putting the 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 Bills to, you know, if they, they do end up with a two seed, then you want to push off that Bills game as long as possible. You want them to push off that having to go to, to Buffalo, uh, you know, you don't want to it, it to end up in a coin flip or anything like that. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go the 90% chance they beat the Seahawks, they beat the Broncos, and they beat uh, Vegas in Vegas um, because, I mean, the two of them are home games. So and the Seahawks are just not... I mean, they've got something to play for, but they don't really have anything to play for um, anymore. Uh, so you're trying to get ready for what you can do. You, the Broncos are the Broncos. I mean, it would love for the Broncos to beat the Chiefs. But uh, and then as long as you don't ladder the ball a bunch um, versus Vegas, you're probably going to win because the Raiders will have a 17 point lead. And the Chiefs will will win by twenty seven, probably something wacky like that. Uh, so I think the Chiefs are ninety percent sure that they're going to win those three games, and they're certainly going to be the two seed at the worst. So I do think it's also critical for them to try to get that sweep. Do I think the Chiefs can win on the road? Yes. I don't think Buffalo is a, a great road matchup for them. And to be fair, 
if they were to drop one and potentially lose the two seed, I don't think playing in Cincinnati is probably that ideal either. True. Uh, as that would be the, the next team that could pass them. In that case, it makes it really interesting. So I'm just going to type talk through hypotheticals because I like doing that. There you go. But I'm going to say, for, for my buddy Derek's sake, we're going to say that the Broncos upset the Chiefs, but the Chiefs win the other two games. because. That's right. Um, and what I'm going to do, because with the Bills' schedule, they're going to beat the Bears this week. But they go to the Bengals for the final Monday night game of the year in week 17. Talk about must-see TV. And then they host the Patriots, the Bills do, on that last week of the year. And let's say, I mean, we could get in a situation where it's literally a three-way tie. The Bengals went out against the Patriots, Bills, and Ravens. The Bengals get the number one seed, the Bills fall to the number two seed, and the Chiefs fall to the number three seed. The Chiefs do not want any of that mess. Like, I think the Chiefs would rather say Buffalo win and beat the Bengals. <laughs> you can be number one, we'll be number two, but we do not want any of this. We have to travel to Buffalo, potentially, and Cincinnati. Yeah. That's a potential disaster scenario. It'd be rough. Anything can happen. That's why we got to talk about these things. But I think, in general, if I were to give them a percentage chance for the sweep, um, I, I feel like 90 is a bit aggressive. I do trust the Chiefs, but they also just went to overtime against the Texans, so I don't know that I trust them that much, especially if we're talking road difficulties. Vegas has played them well before, and you know, Josh McDaniels actually looks like he knows how to coach a team occasionally. Um, only occasionally. Um, I'm going to give them a, a nice 65% chance to win those games. Uh, that's That feels so shady of me. I'm giving them about a two-thirds percent chance of sweeping all three games. Huh. So they're going to win <laughs> like, two and lose one. Okay. No, I mean, I'm still giving them a... a better than 50% chance to sweep the, the board. I just don't feel great about it right now. Shall we move it's on? It's not Caleb? easy to win games in the NFL, Derek. We've talked this about is... that enough, right? Like it's not a lock. It's not a this lock. Is true. Well, let's go ahead. I, I think we are ready, Derek. Let's okay. If you are ready, we'll, I'll let you uh, talk about some handshakes and high fives and let's get the Brody bets for week 16 rolling. Yeah. So we are moving on to Brody bets uh, for this week. We've got a full slate going on. If you've not listened to the podcast before, howdy, how are you? I hope you're having a great day, but um, what we do is we call it Brody bets, but we uh, do not actually put any particular money on these bets that we make. Uh, one, we live in Oklahoma. We cannot bet legally. Two, we are both married men who would be smacked by our wives if we ever lost money. And three, if you listen to the beginning of this podcast, we're not good at it. So what we do instead is high fives and handshakes. 
And uh, Caleb generally gets uh, quite a bit of high fives because he does a pretty good job. I like the handshakes because you can look eye to eye to someone and really get a firm handshake is, you know, that you're selling a, a used car. Uh, so this week we uh, have, I see two fan votes, Caleb. Can you tell me why we have two fan votes in our list here? So we ended up with two fan votes because I put the poll out there. It was a very tight poll this week, Derek. Um, you know, with Twitter, they give us four options and we ended up with a tie for the highest selected option. Uh, so it was Jaguars at Jets for our Thursday night football game, uh, which I'm going to enjoy on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, highly recommend it this time of year, uh, especially if you're listening to this podcast and have not purchased presents for the holiday. Uh, maybe get on that uh, after we're done with this episode. Uh, <laughs> but we have uh, the Jaguars at Jets as one. And then we had lots of votes as well for the Eagles at Cowboys. Definitely a little bit of a different matchup on that one without Jalen Hurts, or I think that would have been probably a bit of a runaway. We also had quite a few votes for Giants at Vikings, but it did not enter the tie. Um, I also put uh, Raiders Steelers on there, but that got the least amount of votes, Derek. So I know in general, Raiders getting less votes. I have to bring it up because you're just happy to see the Raiders are not getting voted for. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah, so... Uh, let's go ahead and move on to those fan votes. So we'll start off with the Jaguars at the Jets. The Jets are favored by a full point, uh, one whole point, and the over-under is 38. So I will go ahead and hop on this one and take future Super Bowl champions uh, Jaguars plus the point. In this game, I do love a good Thursday night football game. Uh, and yes, I completely agree. If you have not uh, bought that vacuum or food processor for your wife, go ahead and get on Amazon and see her face light up on Christmas morning. So it's tough, Derek. I, I saw you were leaning towards the Jags this week. You would kind of talk them up a little bit the week before. I don't like taking the same pick as you, so I'm going to go a little bit different on this one. I'm going to go ahead and take the over 38. So here's a, something okay. that I think is crazy. If you look at the last four games for the Jaguars, they have scored 28, 40, 36, and 40 in all of those. And I think if you say 28 plus for Jacksonville, which might be a bit of a stretch, but even if you say this game is 24 to 17 Jacksonville, that's over. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take the over 38 into the, in this contest on Thursday night. Well, there you go. So um, we are uh, the next game is the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are favored by five points because of a certain uh, MVP candidate in his shoulder um, when he got uh, got a little oopsie this last week. Jalen Hurts is hurt. So the, uh, the Eagles are, a, uh, the, are plus five. The Cowboys are minus five. Caleb, let's go to you first. 
Where are you taking this game? I'm going to go ahead and say without Jalen Hurts, I think that it is a lower scoring game. Uh, I'm going to go under the 46 just to continue my theme of taking over-unders. Okay. I think that the Eagles' defense is so good, Dak Prescott continues to make mistakes. And while Miles Sanders is good, he just doesn't – he's not the red zone weapon and threat that Jalen Hurts is running the ball with. So not having him out there, I'm going to go with the under on overall points. Okay. Well, that's uh, really great. I apologize, listeners. The over-under for the game is 46. That's what Caleb's taking. Um, I am going to to pull out an old chestnut. Not so fast, my friend. As uh, on my side, I have Fly Eagle Fly plus five points. Um, One thing that people are kind of sleeping on and probably should wake up to, the Eagles have a pretty good defense. Um, and uh, our hope at the podcast is that Gardner, Gardner Minshew gets the start. Now, he's a pretty decent quarterback. Um, he can run this offense pretty well. A.J. Brown uh, still exists. And um, so they, they have a, a still a pretty solid um, offense. Uh, offensive scheme there. I trust the Ariani. I, uh, you know, that uh, we're going to go ahead and, and mention it. Um, so recently, uh, like Leach has passed, he was the head coach at uh, Mississippi State. Prior to, to that, he had a stop at Washington State University, which is where Gardner Minshew played his college ball. So he played under Mike Leach. Um, so my hope is that uh, Minshew goes out there, slings the ball all over the field, and uh, you know throws up the the pirate eye patch, and uh, has a game for for Mike Leach um, just in his in his honor. So I have the Eagles plus five. I'm go ahead. I just want to say if if this happened to be like uh, one of those. Odd weeks where I like the Eagles. I want Minshew to do well as well. I also do want my under to hit. But if it was like Eagles 40 to Cowboys 3, kind of like the Cowboys put on the Vikings a few weeks back, I I would not be upset. Well, there you go. So, I mean, you are correct on that. So, uh, my, uh, I I have a, a college football uh, game to to uh, to take here. I uh, I apologize to uh, this year the Cornhuskers did not make a bowl game, uh, but next year Matt Rule is going to to get them uh, all tidy up, and I think he's going to bring in some players from that transfer portal and uh, get some recruits. Uh, I've heard lots of good things about that, but um, this. Uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are taking on the Wisconsin Badgers in the guaranteed rate bowl uh, next Tuesday. And so, uh, because it's going to happen prior to uh, any other future broadcast, we're going to go ahead and uh, go over that game here. The uh, Wisconsin Badgers are 
favored by three and a half points, and the over-under for the game is 43. Uh, So if, uh, I mean, I know our listeners are very smart, and they keep up with all of our college football-related activities, but uh, neither one of these teams have a starting quarterback um, that they had to begin the year, and uh, so Spencer Sanders, uh, the starting quarterback for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, has entered the transfer portal, along with a lot of the defensive talent. So in this particular game, I am going to have to take the over-under on this game. Uh, I am going to go under 43 as the uh, as Wisconsin has an interim head coach. Well, they they have a their DC is their interim head coach who is stepping away at the end of the season, and so I think that team is going to play for him. And Oklahoma State's probably not going to put up a whole bunch of points. So, you know, if both teams put up 21, I will be surprised. So I'm going to take under 43 in the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, Before we move on to anything else, Caleb, did you have some kind of announcement on uh, our next broadcast? So this is the final broadcast for 2022. We are going to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So I hope you enjoy the holiday season with friends, families, loved ones, whoever you may choose to be spending it with. We hope that it is a great time and you feel well and well rested. Uh, And you can enjoy, you know, having a week off from us. Uh, We'll be back nice and ready in the new year, getting ready to tackle week 18 with some fresh power rankings and fresh Brody bets, but needing to just, Take a breather right this time of year. We don't usually get one mid-season, and uh, just with some of the busyness this year, it felt right. Yeah, so why don't you go ahead and head over to that Packer game and uh, where you're taking it. Uh, Ho, ho, ho. Uh, Merry Christmas to us. We both get our games on Christmas Day for both of our teams. Uh, I am the noon game, so I appreciate you giving it to me first. Uh, The Packers are a four-point underdog on the road in Miami. Uh, Christmas in Miami just does not feel the same as last year's Christmas at Lambeau. Um, But no complaints. Uh, It is a very high over-under of 49.5. I'm going to take the Packers plus four. I think that it's a little ridiculous. But hey, they're my team. They've won back-to-back games. I'm starting to buy into the hype, and if nothing else, Give me the fact that the Packers have won two in a row. The Dolphins have lost three in a row. Can they break that streak against us? Absolutely. But I think they would do it better if I think they were more of a running team instead of a passing team. I think that we will get after Tua a little bit and make it hard for him to consistently pass. And hopefully we'll jam their receivers the way the Chargers did. So uh, I'm going with the Packers plus four. Uh, Derek, When we get to the afternoon, I know that's your team, the Denver Broncos. Uh, They are a favorite on the road as they are expected to win by two and a half points, potentially, according to Vegas. And that's at SoFi Stadium as they take on the Rams. So not really the same as when you go play the Chargers there, but uh, it's two trips to SoFi this year. Um, Where where are you kind of, oh, the over-under is 36 and a half, so a lower over-under. 
Um, but I know you took the under last week and that did not work out. Uh, how are you feeling this week? Are you going back to an under or switching it up? Okay, so people who have listened to this podcast know how much I hate to bet against Baker Mayfield. I love the dude. Uh, unfortunately, everybody on the Rams is hurt on the IR or is not playing anymore. And so, um, you know, I think this game is not going to have a whole bunch of offense, but it could. And uh, I think at the end of the game, the Broncos kick a game-winning field goal to cover three, uh, to push that to two and a that two and a half points. And so, yeah, it's probably going to be a twenty-one to eighteen game. Nice, very nice. I'm sure you'd be thrilled with that outcome. That's very true. And now to the wild card. Um, speaking of SoFi Stadium, the uh, the team that calls them home, that's not named the Rams. Uh, the LA Chargers uh, are minus three, headed over to Indianapolis um, and meeting up with Jeff Saturday. Um, it is the over-under is 46 and a half. And, uh, you know, for me, I like the Bolts in this one. I'm going to take the Chargers minus three um, and see what I can do with that. I am betting on the AFC West uh, and uh, seeing what I can do. Uh, Caleb, what do you think about that game? Was that, was that something that you were circling or are you just trying to stay away because the Colts can put up 30 some odd points and then lose it? I think I just don't want to touch the Colts. Um, I don't know what they're doing. Um, they confuse me. You know, they had, they were within two points of Dallas going into the fourth quarter, completely fall apart. They were up 33 points on the 49ers or not the 49ers, the Vikings and completely fall apart. That's their last two games. Um, before that they were playing low scoring games, lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Philly and beat Vegas. That's Jeff Saturday's tenure. I have no idea what's going on. They are back at home, so potentially it's going to be closer. It is Monday night. I I just didn't want to get anywhere near the Colts. Do I I think that the line's a good line for the Chargers because the Chargers have been playing well. I just I said, yeah, I I, I don't want to be Indy is too wild for me. So you're you're on the wild side with your wild card this week. There we go. And what about your wild card there? So my wild card, I am headed up to Foxborough. I'm picking against a team that has lost three of their last four. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals to beat the Patriots. I, I just like the Bengals. Um, they seem to struggle from time to time, but they've got Jamar Chase back. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. And while I think that their defense might be struggling a bit right now, uh, the Patriots' offense is not good, so I don't think the Patriots are going to score very much. I don't want to touch the over/under of forty-one and a half on this game. I'm going to take the Bengals minus the three and a half. I think they win by at least a touchdown, possibly uh, ten. But I, I think if you said Caleb the score is going to be twenty-one eleven, sure, whatever. Like it's twenty-one fourteen. Like I, I think the Bengals 
are going to have this one. Let me ask you a, a secondary question. I've been doing this all night, so I just get to um, who is the offensive coordinator next year with the Patriots? Is it Matt Patricia or is it someone else? I think it's someone else. I'm not really sure who. I'm just going to throw a name out there that I think would be kind of random but interesting. Bring back uh, Bill O'Brien. Former staff member for the Patriots. Bring him back from Alabama. Why not? He's. I mean, we've kind of said at least the Patriots seem like they only go with people that they've trusted, that they've had on their staff before, that they think are going to do okay. I don't think NFL teams are clamoring for Bill O'Brien to be a head coach. I don't think college teams are clamoring for Bill O'Brien to be their head coach. He's just a Saban turnaround guy. I don't think the right schools are calling for Bill O'Brien to come be a head coach. I think that there's plenty of schools out there, but they are, you know, lower till the Toledo's of the world, the uh, Florida Atlantic, stuff like that. And I don't think he wants to to start go back there. I think he wants a a Texas or a Oklahoma or a another Big Twelve school. I mean, when you see Sarkeesian get Texas, it is one of those things where you kind of want to wait a while and see where you can land a, a big fish for sure. Or maybe he's trying to go NFL again because uh, he doesn't want to deal with NIL. Either way, um, yeah, I, I think someone has to be. I think somebody needs to take the reins of the Patriots. You have Mac Jones uh, there, and you, he's a known quantity. You know what you have there if you can put together a, a better offensive play call, you're probably going to win more, a lot more games. Because he's, a, I mean, he's a, a proven winner. You know, Alabama, and then last year when he had a, uh, a decent offensive coordinator. Yeah. Absolutely. So that is actually it for our episode this week. Thank you all for listening. Again, if you are catching this over the holiday break, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year to you, as uh, you may be catching this in the year of 2023. I will say that we love when you all listen to us. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. On behalf of my great co-host, Derek, we are going to go ahead and sign out. Later, y'all. Bye, guys.